0: Now what? Now what? Now what? Now what?
1: Now what? Now what? Now what? Now what? Now what? Yeah baby. It's spray time. I haven't said that for a while lane. so good. What's happening? So wonderful mm, the spray! Mm, 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 I am gonna be. I need to make sure I let you know mm-hmm. before I run out, so I can yeah, get another bottle do. because I I feel like I would be devastated if I didn't have yeah you the would. spray. Yeah, you would be bummed. How's it going, Lane?
0: Oh my god, it's so good today! I'm feeling pumped up. I was up at six o'clock. I got on the row machine. Ooh, ooh, yeah, you ooh. did. Yeah, I did. Spiritual awakening. I had some heavy, heavy dreams last night. Did you? I was in deep REM for 25 minutes straight. You know, you know your sleep cycles usually mm-hmm. go up and down, up and down, and you have, you know, a good sleep cycle is eight. The last deep REM was 25 minutes. And let mm-hmm. me tell you, I woke up on fire, and I had to get out of that space and onto the row machine wow yeah Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great it was uh yeah it was like I was stuck in between worlds
1: yeah I was having a lot of dreams a few weeks ago and they've they've stopped now
0: Mm.
1: haven't had any Uh, um I didn't get a lot of deep sleep last night according Mm. to my ring um Mm. 49 minutes but I did get an hour and 16 minutes of REM sleep i usually get deep sleep but i think it's because i'm fighting this yeah, you the know, virus the yeah. vid yeah. and uh but i'm getting lots of sleep
0: i'm glad i'm glad yeah. you're feeling better
1: thank you i'm fired I'm up too. i'm fired up i took the dogs out i'm feeling good i can tell you've got this energy about you whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> i wish you guys could see I, I think what i'm gonna do is take little clips
0: oh god no <laughs> i'm gonna go back
1: through the archives and look for little clips of lane dancing as we record the show because there are many you know mm-hmm. if you were listening to one of our previous episodes mm-hmm. i mean lane does vogue um there's yeah, just so many myself. yeah so many cool things we're fun mm-hmm. yeah uh today is
0: audience questions mm-hmm are you looking forward to it?
1: I am. I love it when you, our listeners, ask us questions because it makes me feel like you're there. You're part of the show. You're with us here. Yeah. (laughs) And
0: this is the Now What Society, right? I'm hanging out with my friend Tamar Medford. And I'm hanging out with my friend Lane Kennedy. And you're hanging out with us. Thanks so much for being here with us. Uh, And today, yes, we are talking about... (sighs) These questions that you send us, and I'm so grateful for these questions. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what do I we got? I can't think
0: of these questions.
1: <laughs> no, I know there's so much to like, talk about. So yeah. help us. Uh, so we really appreciate
0: it. If you uh, have not joined the community, I want to invite you to do that. It's free. You can find out more over at the NowWhatSociety.com. Uh, it's looking really good in there tomorrow. Oh, I love the new look. I know. Ooh, fires me up. Yep. Uh, let's get into the question. All right. What is it? Oh, you want me to go. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Tomorrow in lane. I love that. Tomorrow in lane. <laughs> I love loved in, in parentheses. Okay. I love, love good port wine. I have always wanted to go to Portugal specifically for the port wine. We are able to travel. Yahoo. So I guess this is, you know, like right now, do I still go on? Do I still go for the beautiful scenery or go somewhere else in Europe? My husband doesn't care for port, so it doesn't matter to him. I know it's a weird question. Me being the alcoholic, I have always been an introvert. So I think alcohol made me more extroverted. I always feel so awkward at gatherings when I am sober and everyone else is drinking. Even when I am around my friends, my husband doesn't know a stranger. How do I change me? Does it make, does it matter if I always think about drinking or craving a drink as long as I don't act upon it? Okay. This is, this is an, this is, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, do I want to stop there? Let's see. I use a lot of distraction methods and most of the time they are... F- fleeting, romanticizing thoughts. I have been sober almost eight months. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. I went through a 30-day inpatient boom program and six weeks, three days, a week outpatient. Yes, get that care. Mm -hmm. I was sober for six years until maybe around 2012 when I convinced my husband while we were sitting in first class that a mimosa would be fine. Ooh. Yeah. That, that's what happens. Yeah. I am sure the thoughts will continue to fade and I don't talk to anybody about them. Those were awkward questions for me to ask. So this is from uh, somebody who is an empty nester and has a really beautiful life, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. I'm reading more, but it's more personal. Yeah. Uh, So I just want to thank you for that question. And I read it all because there's so much juiciness in there that we are going to unpack for you and everyone else who's listening.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Tamar, uh, I want to start at the top where it says, do I still go for the beautiful scenery or go somewhere else
1: in Europe? What do you say? So for me, I stayed away from certain places until I was in a good point in my sobriety where I had a somebody with me. Uh, I knew that I would lean into the help if I needed it. Um, for me, uh, I'm going to use the example of somewhere like Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, if I had gone there right after I had gotten sober, it would have been really challenging. I would have felt like, you know, cause she talks about the romanticizing thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. That is probably what I, what I would have taken there. And that could have caused that relapse. Um, you know, and it's, I find with Europe because I'm actually from Europe. I was born there. So I've been there many, many times there is so much beautiful scenery there is so much to do rather than drinking so i guess what i'm going to say to this is it really depends on your comfort level you know if you're worried about going somewhere for that fact maybe the first time change your destination go somewhere else that feels a little bit safer Mm -hmm. um you know, because I, I couldn't, I didn't even go to a funeral in my first year of sobriety because of the people that I knew that would be at that funeral, mm-hmm. right? I asked one of my support networks, she said, you know what, Tamar, maybe this isn't a good idea or, or bring a sober sister with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it really, I would say, depends on your comfort level and why, why not pick somewhere else, right? Make a new memory. There's I'm sure that there's so many beautiful places in Portugal, so I hear.
0: I am going to say go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that tomorrow. Uh, But here's the thing. Let's just get real. Anywhere you go, there's going to be great port anywhere you go. There's going to be great vodka. There's going to be great wine. There's going to be great beer. There's going to be great chocolate cake. You know, Mm -hmm. there's going to be anywhere you go there's going to be your thing that you love that takes you away from yourself and everyone else. Yes. So do I still go for the beautiful scenery? Sure. If you're going to go for the scenery. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, talk to your partner and, you know, check it in with him. And, you know, this is, I'm trying to be sober, right? I'd be curious to know. I guess her husband's not sober, but he doesn't really care about port. Um, I would have that open conversation with my partner, and and you know, I'm really trying to stay sober. I don't know if Portugal is going to be the great or the right place for us. Would you consider somewhere else? Would you consider supporting me in my sobriety journey? Um, yeah, that's that's where I would start.
1: Yeah, and, and especially if you know your husband doesn't care about port. Yeah then it's, it's probably an easy, okay, yeah, we can go somewhere else.
0: Mm, Yeah. You know, this next part of her question is, um, the introvert extrovert, right? Drinking made me more extroverted. And how do I change me? How do I change me? Right? So changing me has been a spiritual experience. Changing me has been a path of, for me, it was 12 step, which then became my spiritual path to Buddhism, which then opened the door to other things. So how do I change me is a deeply personal journey. What do you have there, Tamar?
1: yeah it's you know i was i can relate to this because i was much more extroverted Mm -hmm. when i drank i mean i used alcohol as a means to kind of step outside myself right to be that outgoing confident person that i never felt like i was and when i got sober it was tough to be around big crowds it was tough to be you know um super sociable but as i develop that spiritual connection and became more mindful, I actually didn't care anymore. Like I'm okay not being in big crowds of people anymore. I used to think that I had to do certain things, right? Because, well, I have to be an extrovert. I have to be sociable. And I've kind of come into myself now and, you know, don't get me wrong. When I go out, I love to flirt. I'm friendly. I'm I'm Canadian. I think that helps. So if you're Canadian, that that would definitely be on your side. Um, (laughs) I throw that in once in a while. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm okay being me, you know, I don't have to be this loud mouth person that has to have all the attention all the time. I can go there if I need to in certain situations. Um, you know, but I'm okay being an introvert. I mean, what is called an ambivert where I'm both, I'm an introvert and extrovert. Right. And, I think being sober has allowed me to start to get comfortable in my own skin. Mm. You know? Yeah. It takes time. It does take time. takes
0: time. Time Time takes time. Yeah. Uh, The next part of her question is, does it matter if I always think about drinking or craving a drink as long as I don't act upon it?
1: Mm -hmm. You want to start on that? Yeah. It's... I don't crave alcohol anymore. I mean, for me, it's been, you know, just over a decade. And again, I think it's that spiritual solution, right? Because I just, I know what it does to me. And it's a shame that society does romanticize it. Because I think looking, you know, I I, I think I told you when I went to Mexico in March, we, there was this fancy dance club at the top of the hotel. And when you look at the TV, like in your, in your room, they'll show you, you know, all these people dancing and there's the foam pools and, you know, acrobats flying from the ceiling. And I'm just like, wow, we got to go check this place out. And so we went upstairs one of the days and it it was not like that at all. It was, you know, um, the small pool with probably a hundred people jammed in there, spilling their beer everywhere. Like it, it is really a shame. I think that it is that romanticized because that's not the reality. So yeah, it, I, it is, you know, if you're still craving that alcohol, you know, I, I, that's a problem. That's a problem. It's a problem, but the, the cravings go away. The oh spiritual God. solution. That's just my, my opinion. Oh my God. It doesn't matter if I always think
0: about drinking. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you think about it or you crave it, as long as you don't act upon it. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. It doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Just don't act upon it. But there's something about the thinking right? If you are in, so in the work that I do with my clients, I talk about how the brain has these beautiful, uh, cognitive loops and you just keep going around and around and around and around. And then eventually you're going to pick up. Yeah. Eventually you will. So it, it doesn't matter if you always think about it, but what are the tools that you're going to use to not act upon it? You know, and, and I don't know if this person, if she is, uh, if she tried 12 step, you know, it says that she went the inpatient outpatient method. I don't know if she's gone down, you know, uh, the Dharma path. If she has gone to, she recovers. If she has done, uh, I, I don't know. Right. So I'm a, huge fan of getting involved with a community yeah so you can talk about it I am craving I am thinking about it and then getting that out of your head off of your chest so you can then do something differently
1: yeah
0: yeah uh let's see I also want to go through the part where it says, um, you know, I've been sober almost eight months. I've gone into the inpatient and the outpatient, uh, and I was sober six years before. So there's, there's some sober time here, mm-hmm. right? So there is a sense of knowing what it's like to be sober. Yeah. Right. It feels good to not drink. <laughs> yes. Right. True. And to be hung over, oh my God. Oh my God, can you Don't imagine? miss it? No, not at all. I just can't don't. No, no. no,. I don't want to be hung over ever again. No. Um, So there is something about that that she it was important enough for her to let us know that she's done this work. And so my question back to her is, what are you doing today to stay in the solution of your recovery? hmm like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, it's going to it's going to look different for every single one of us. It's just like our DNA tomorrow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I knew that would come up.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, your DNA is going to tell you you like how to handle this. <laughs>
1: Well, and, you know, adding to it mm-hmm. when they were sitting in first class, right, that a mimosa would be yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, we did an episode a while back about relapse. Yes. And, you know, I remember in early sobriety hearing that relapse is part of your story and you're, you're mentioning your thinking and that's why mm. I bring this up is because, mm. When we hear that, it almost, I felt like would give people a free pass, but I had people that said relapse does not have to be a part of your story. And you have to remember what it was like after that first drink. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was taught to play the tape through Now, when I, you know, because there are times where I think about alcohol right? Do I want to drink anymore? No. Sometimes do I think, ah, it would be nice to have a cool beer? Yes, but I'm very aware of what's going to happen. So Mm -hmm. there's nothing in me that wants to actually pick up that drink. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, we usually relapse before we actually pick up that first drink. Correct. But it's, if I sit there and think, oh, you know, a drink would be nice, all I have to do is imagine the evening, how it's going to, you know, I mean, I'm not going to remember it after a few hours, but the next day, that feeling of like, uh, who do I got to apologize to? And what did I do? Because I was a blackout drinker, right? So for me that, you know, when she talks about that mimosa and just one will be okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, my, my history was bad enough, but let's go back to this, right? The mimosa is okay. But
0: what even brought her to that moment of thinking that it would be Okay. Right. Something was unjust unrest. Yep. Something had already been bubbling. Like you just said, mm-hmm. drinking, picking up the drink is the last part of the relapse. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, we had that episode about spiritual, like every, like I always talk about everything is spiritual. Yeah. Right. So that the thinking about it, I'm just going to shift the conversation a little bit here because I want our listeners to understand that even the thinking about the alcohol, the matcha, the chocolate cake, the cigarettes, it is all spiritual. But how you react, right? What your actions are, how you're going to move about your life, all of it's spiritual. So how are you going to live it? That, that's my big question. How, how are you going to move through this? And I am a huge proponent of being around others who are walking a spiritual path,
1: mm-hmm.
0: who understand the language that I'm speaking, who understand my pain, my happiness, my discomfort, my joy, right? I can look at you tomorrow and I know you know exactly what's going on with me, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I come on here, you're just like, okay, no, no. <laughs> Right, and and I can look at you too, right? I'm like, oh, okay, what's happening? The kids were up late. What you know, like there is a knowingness. Yeah, when we're with others who struggle with the same addictions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and it's spiritual. All of it's spiritual. It's all good. It's all good.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's like you know, going back to community, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about community. Mm-hmm. It's being able to pick up the phone or shoot somebody a text and say, hey. I'm yeah. kind of thinking this is a good idea right now because I know from experience that a lot of my good ideas, I'm doing air quotes here, yeah. are not such good ideas. I mean, I i make sure I run things past people now. And, yeah. you know, I have people such as yourself and other women in my life that can say, do you, do you really think that's a good idea, tomorrow?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It usually takes me a day after I've gotten over the initial, like, yeah, it's a good idea. All my ideas are good before I realize <laughs> they're not. But yeah, it's that ability of, like you said, having women, you know, men, people mm-hmm. that you can reach mm-hmm. out to and say, this is what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And they just know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, she
0: closes up with saying, those were awkward questions for me to ask. And I, I want to say it was an act of courage. Yeah. And, I just so deeply appreciate um, the question and allowing us to be a part of your recovery journey and that you trust us in answering that question Mm -hmm. and supporting you. Uh, Yeah. So that's where I'm going to end that one. You want to, let's, you want to, let's do another question. Yeah.
1: You want to do another question? Yeah. I I like
0: this question here. Um,
1: We keep a list.
0: (laughs) We do. We have a list. Uh, that you've sent in. Mm. Let's go with how can you help support and encourage your partner to achieve sobriety, especially when they are a family of alcoholics? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to start with that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think... You need to be there for them. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to start by saying that we can't force change. Uh, When I drank, I had a lot of people saying, Tomorrow, why do you keep doing this? I remember one night uh, after coming out of a blackout, you know, my best friend was sitting on the bed with me and, you know, picking up the pieces again and going, Tomorrow, why do you keep doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I promise I'm never going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I meant that I that's, that was my intention that I never wanted to do it again. But Mm -hmm. I had not hit my spiritual bottom at that point yet. You know, I hadn't. And sometimes, unfortunately, you need to be let people hit their bottom. So for me, it was about having people that gave me a bit of tough love. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't enable me. They didn't give me money. They didn't try to bail me out all the time. I had to reach a point. But those people never gave up on me. If I needed them, they were there to listen. They held space for me. And when I was ready, they were the first ones to say, oh, come on, let's go. Right. And I I got taken to my first meeting. And but yeah, I had to hit that point. So I think it's, you know, educating them, being them, holding space for them when they're ready to make that change and encouraging too, like, look at yourself, you know, are you drinking in front of them? Mm Two, are you getting involved? Because I was famous with that. I don't know about you, but I could be with a friend that was trying to quit drinking and, you know, we'd convince each other by, you know, mid evening, ah, we can have some drinks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm just
0: thinking of many, 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 many scenarios. I wish I had more information from, uh, this, this listener, uh, because I guess when you write in, give us as much information as possible because I think about this in a different scenario where mm-hmm. you have a, a, a partner who perhaps just keeps relapsing mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you're married and how long do you stay there? How long? How long do you put up with the danger? Mm-hmm. How long do you put your whole family in harm's way because your partner cannot achieve sobriety? So, you know, that could be a situation. Yeah. It could also be um, a situation where you are a mother and you have a child who is, you know, or a child, maybe uh, not child, but a young, a young adult, a teenager. And they are, you know, experimenting and then the experimentation has become a daily habit and how do you encourage and support them to achieve sobriety? And so there are different scenarios where, you know, you support them in different ways, right? For the, for the partner who cannot get sober again or cannot stop drinking and you have kids and houses and cars and all this stuff. It's like, how do you put yourself first? I think that's where you start. You put yourself first. And perhaps that means you ask that person to move out of the house and go into a halfway house. Perhaps you ask them to go into treatment. Perhaps, right. I think sometimes it takes uh, the partner to step up and say, I'm not going to, this is not for me anymore. And that is an act of courage. Absolutely. Absolutely. in the in the instance of a scenario of having a child, right, um, you know, moving them out of the house, cutting them off from support, letting them, and you mentioned this earlier, just hitting that bottom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but there are so many different scenarios on how to help support and encourage your partner to achieve sobriety. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not pretty.
1: No, not at all. And that's really what my dad did to me, mm. right? My mom was the enabler. She would bail me out, lend me yep. money. My dad cut everything off. And yep. at the time I used to think, what a jerk. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't, how dare he, you know, but mm-hmm. being in a recovery program, mm-hmm. I saw that, you know, I was, you know, when I was working through the resentments, I had many towards him. mm but, you know, it was like, what was my part in all this? I was irresponsible. Like, that's what he said. Because I'm like, he yep. kept telling me I was irresponsible. And I had somebody say, well, were you?
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right? Um, and that, that probably saved my life. And he actually asked friends of his, how do I help my daughter? And they said, tough love. Tough love. Remember that? It
0: was like the 80s, 90s.
1: Right? Tough love. And- yeah,
0: there's no more tough love now. <laughs>
1: No, and People I don't think even know what that means. And I I want to add one more thing to this, like mm-hmm. you mentioning especially when they're in a family of alcoholics. If you are with someone, you know, a partner or even a child,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where there's a history of addiction or alcoholism, mm-hmm. it's you know maybe they're just on the start of their journey. You know, we're experiencing this at home right now. Is mm-hmm. making a seventeen-year-old mm-hmm. aware of like this is what could happen to you. Yeah, not sugarcoating it. Yeah. You know, we did an episode on fentanyl a while back and, you know, it was amazing, but we have to start being just real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it could be a hard pill to swallow,
0: right? Yeah, it's a tough one. The fact that I'm going to have to change my life because this person that I love cannot stop drinking or using because they are so sick mentally. Yeah. Right. Alcoholism is a mental illness. Yeah. Yeah and uh we're kind of i know that i am powerless over it
1: yeah me too yeah
0: that's deep
1: Hmm. thank you for asking
0: (laughs) yes thank you for that question uh i think can we lighten it can we lighten the load a little bit again
1: oh are you thinking of a little trivia be- because if I you know. are, I have oh, some are questions Are you. Are you ready? Are you ready? You. You're ready. Yeah. You're ready. Okay. I think last time you asked me questions. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. What one hit wonder released oh the song Ice Ice Baby? Oh, I'm never going to know this one. <laughs> I'm already like, oh, no. I thought ice, for ice, sure ice. you would.
0: Ice Ice Baby. Um, uh, ice. I- I'm thinking about it. Ice you. baby? Ice baby. I <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no? Can't even I can't even hear the song right now. Ice. I okay. okay. Who? Who was it? Vanilla Ice. Oh van, vanilla ice. Ice <laughs> ice baby. I was close. Ice ice. Come on. Okay, give me
1: another one. Give me another one. You were. Um what okay. bubble earned many people millions of dollars in the late 90s. A bubble? What bubble? Bubble? I I no idea. Bubble? The dot com bubble. Oh my god. <laughs> I know when you hear them it's like oh Trivia's Trivia's trivia tough. is tough. Trivia is tough. Yeah. I should have known that cuz I live here. That, Jesus. That's why I asked you. <gasps> Okay, let's do one more. Okay. What film earned Brad Pitt his first huh. Oscar nomination? 12 uh, Monkeys, Legends of the Fall, or Thelma and Louise? What was the first one? 12 Monkeys. Yeah. That's your final answer. What was the other one? Legends of the Fall and no, Thelma. 12 monkeys. You got it right. Yes. Yes. See?
0: Okay. They're tough. Oh my God. I got one. I got one. I got one.
1: So if you're listening to this and you're yelling out the answers because maybe you know them a little bit better than we do, Uh we want to challenge you to come on the show Mm -hmm. and do a trivia episode with us because we thought it would be really fun to grab some friends, have you as the listener, come on the show Mm -hmm. and... We're going to do some 90s trivia and you have some 80s trivia too, don't you? Yes, I love
0: the 80s. 80s. Uh okay. That that was that was super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh would you rather lose all your money and valuables or lose all the pictures you have ever taken? That's tough.
1: Oh. Yeah, right. Right. That's a good one. Yeah, that was that bomb because i'm not much like you know the material stuff isn't as dominant in my life anymore as it used mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. but like pic i love pictures you know i love taking I pictures i know you're all about it oh pictures man pictures are money pictures are money is it like the physical pictures because i don't have a lot of those <laughs> pictures pictures period all in general pictures and our phone all your money <laughs> money and valuables or pictures you've ever taken? I don't even know if I can answer that question. I mean, part of me says the pictures because then it would force me to make sure that I live my best life and travel and see all those places as much as I can. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to step away from always taking video or pictures because I actually want to be present in the moment with those people because it's all up here, baby. (laughs) I was pointing to my head final answer yep that's my final answer i like it see i said it again shoot <laughs> i don't me. think you said it on today's episode yet did you okay good 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 i think that was a few episodes ago that you said that all
0: right yeah I'm, I'm, I'm winning uh tomorrow this has been an insightful episode thanks yes. so much
1: yeah it was fun
0: i hope you'll join us inside the now what community you can find everything over on the website thanks for listening bye